What a great prayer, though, that one just then, looking under God for our problems. You know what I mean? We're just so powerless to have any great effect in this world, and but we have a great God, don't we? You know what I mean? And uh, it helps me because it leads into what I want to talk about tonight, which is um, our weakness driving us deeper into Christ. Um, might seem like a very generic topic, but uh, hopefully it doesn't present itself that way. Um, what I want to talk about tonight is—is is this actually working? I got reverb. Yeah, okay, some bloody reverb. Um, that's right. Um, what I want to talk about is um, how we're able to realise the fact that we are weak and what that actually means for us, practically what that means for us in our relationship with God and what that means for us as individuals. Um, so if you could bow with me and. We'll come to, the, come to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we are, we thank you for this opportunity to meet here tonight. We know that we have brothers and sisters around the world who are, who don't have the opportunity to meet like this. We are, we lift them up to you in prayer and um, pray that your Holy Spirit be with them. Father, may everyone's uh, ears here be attentive, Lord. May their hearts be receptive. Father, may you just really open us up to your word. And may your words do the speaking, not myself. Father, may your Holy Spirit dwell in this place tonight and uh, may lives be changed for the better. In the name of Christ, amen. Primary passages for tonight um, are going to be uh, Second Corinthians chapters 11 and 12, uh, respective uh, verses in them. Um, I'm going to connect them though because the middle part was sort of pretty non-relevant. Uh, well, not relevant for what I was talking about. Every word of God's relevant, but uh, that's not the point. That's not the point. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm already 30 seconds in. It's not going well. Um, anywho, anyway. Um, what I want to clear up, though, beforehand is just one particular word that comes up quite a fair bit, and it's the word infirmities. Um, infirmities, these days, we sort of think of a physical ailment. Nine times out of ten, that's what people think of. Um, but even today, and it's the same back then, but even today, it actually has three meanings. A physical weakness or ailment, um, and infirmities of age, I didn't put that in. Um, quality or state of being infirm, a lack of strength. And the third definition is actually a moral weakness or failing. And we don't often think that. Um, uh, you're going to see how that really applies in the passages that we're about to dive into. Um, right. So picking up in 2 Corinthians 11:23, I am more... In, sorry, I am more. In labours more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. So here, obviously, Corinthians, we've got Paul writing this letter to the Corinthians, and he's speaking of a lot of the calamities and troubles that he goes through in life. Um, uh, you'll, as you read on, or as we read on, you'll see it's quite a fair dose. Um, of the Jews, five times I received the forty stripes, save one. So the beating that that Jesus took. Um, before his crucifixion, Paul received five times. Um, not that I'm elevating him, but that's just the point I'm trying to make. Um, Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. That's an interesting point, which everyone, if anyone wants to talk to me about that, I'll come and talk to you after. Uh, Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, 
in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. So much for prosperity and well-being and never having a problem in your life, eh? Um, when you think about it, this is, like, this is a pretty confronting thing. It's not like, you know, uh, the, the gospel doesn't bring you an easy life. The gospel cause brings you suffering, pain and death, but it, it brings you eternal life. Alright? And, uh, I'm gonna show you that, um, how he dealt with these kind of, uh, perils that we listed on here. Um, beside these things which, are, which that I are without, that which, uh, which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. Glory is another word for, for honour. If I must honour in something, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. Why? Why of all things would you, would you, you know, praise and, and glory in, in, the, in the crap things to put it bluntly in life? Well, he goes on to explain. No, we're too far. Not that. Right. Right, think I'm in verse 5. Right. Of such a thing will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I could preach an entire sermon about what the thorn of the flesh is, and that's like, yeah, I could just go on forever about that. So if anyone wants to talk to me about that after, I'm more than happy to, um, but we'll continue for time's sake. Um, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that, he might, that it might depart from me. So Paul asked the Lord three times that this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan, would depart from him. The answer is astounding and one of the fundamental things of the Christian faith. And he, Christ, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. If that, I could go full stop there and say that was a great sermon and walk off the stage. Alright, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That is, that's the, that's the truth. That's the gospel. We're weak. We can't do it. But we have a God who can. Amen. Yeah? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in, necessi- sorry, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. A paradox seemingly, but no. No. It's the glory of God in us that is the strength. We're weak, we're fallible, and we can't do it. But Christ's grace is sufficient for thee. I've got a video. It shouldn't go for too long, but a video nonetheless. Um, if we'll move on. There we go. Recognizing your weakness, it drives you 
to God. Immediately to God. Believing in faith that He's the fountain He claims to be. That He's the source and the helper that He claims to be. That He is one of unlimited resources. That He does not greedily hand out to children, but He lavishes on us. So see, your problem is that you're really not recognizing your weak. Or you recognize your weak, but you just stay there in your weakness. The thing is, your weakness ought to drive you to God. I saw someone last night, and I dealt a long time with them. Precious little girl. She recognized her weakness. She recognized her frailty. She recognized her sin. She recognized there were some things in her life she couldn't overcome right now. But here was her problem. She would see her sin, and because of the work of the devil, and sometimes our own heart condemning us, she would put herself in the penalty box every time that she sinned. Well, you can't go to God right now. You can't just keep running back to Him. I mean, you sinned yesterday and you repented and asked for forgiveness. Now you've done the same exact thing today. I mean, you run back to Him. You're just a hypocrite. You don't appreciate God. You don't have a high view of God. What do you think? God just hands out pardon to everyone? And isn't that what we do? And isn't that what we think? We sin, a sin that we've already sinned and already repented of. And because of it, we think we need to put ourselves in a penalty box for a little while, at least a couple of days, and try to work our way back into favor before we come to God. Because if we, we think, actually, you mean if I go back every time I do this, just immediately... Not only going back and asking for forgiveness, but expecting forgiveness. Isn't that hypocrisy? Isn't that a low view of God? Isn't that treating God as a forgiveness machine? No, it's being biblical. It's what poverty of spirit is supposed to do to us. talking to genuine Christians who really want to be something they are not yet. But when they find themselves frail and they find themselves weak and they find themselves sinning the same sin, they kind of huddle over here and wait. Maybe read their Bible a few days, pray some more, show God they're really sincere before they run over there and actually try to get some forgiveness. No! One of the great joys of my life is when I discovered that the moment I sin the sin I always sin, my first response ought to be to latch a hold of Christ and not beggarly, not thinking, oh, here I am, you ought to strike me down. But no, I latch a hold of Christ saying, I believe your promises. I am in a different realm. I am free. I am a saint. I've been moved out of Adam and condemnation and law. All of it was paid for on that tree. When he died, he knew all of it. He forgave all of it. I'm free. It's absolutely spectacular. <laughs> um, how do you follow after that at 19 years of age is a struggle but um, I'll try it anyway um, so much that we could digest out of that um, I wasn't actually going to put it in there because I, like, oh, I don't want to take up time but I was like how about I let a veteran do the work, do the, do the work instead of me 
Um, but the point is that that's what poverty of spirit is all about. Like, why, why are we weak? Because we're poor in spirit. You see it over and over and over again in the scriptures. We're poor in spirit. We're weak. But that's the catalyst for driving us to Christ. That's the thing that actually takes us further into God. It's not our ability to stand here fortified. It's not. It's the fact that we're poor in spirit. And he touched on the promises. That's the only hope we have. Like, I I would be stuffed, absolutely stuffed, if God didn't promise me something. Multiple things. And we're going to go through some of those. From Matthew 5. Um, I picked out the, I picked out these particular uh, four verses here because it just fits my point well. But um, I'm going to show you how... I'll read it first and I'm going to show you the interconnectivity between them, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Right. Now I want to look at the first three. Okay. And I want you to. I'm going to go through it step by step. Um, I'm guilty of it. I'm some of you probably may be too. But sometimes what I do when I'm reading these, the blesseds, is I sort of almost in my mind subconsciously think of them as individual different people. Like I go, oh, here's the poor in spirit camp. Here's the mourners. Here's the meek. And they're sort of like different people, but they're not. They're not. They're the characteristics almost. Well, not almost, they are, of the true Christian. They're the characteristics of all of us, in essence. Right? Now, poor in spirit, we heard it touched on there by Paul Washer in that video. Um, but the second one, I'm just going to focus on the characteristics. Poor in spirit, they that mourn, the meek. Now, poor in spirit, yes, great, okay, but what does that look like? Well, it says then after it, blessed are they that mourn. Who are the only people who are really going to mourn? Those who are poor in spirit. Those who are poor in spirit. The third one, blessed are the meek. Meekness, if we're talking about in our relationship to God, meekness means a humbleness, or sorry, humbling ourselves in obedience and submission to God. That is being truly meek. But who are the ones who are meek? How can you be meek? Well, if you're poor in spirit, you will be meek. Why? Because you realize your poverty of spirit. You realize your weakness. You grasp it. That's why you mourn in the first place. Yeah? The fourth one, though. Let's move on. They which hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'm telling you, you will not hunger and thirst after righteousness if you're not poor in spirit and don't realize it. If you don't mourn because you're poor in spirit and if you're not meek about yourself because you're poor in spirit. The reason why you're those three... Lead, so, that, so those three, I should say, rather, lead you to the fourth. They lead you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Because you're poor in spirit and you can't do it. I can't do it. Like I, I, my, my prayer life and my night times testify to the fact that I'm poor in spirit. I've been saved. I have been saved. I have been granted repentance and a faith unto salvation, yet I still weep over my my sin. And I'm not saying that because I'm saying, oh, look at me weeping over my sin. I'm actually being honest about it. I hate it. I hate, I hate the times where I go against the God that I love. 
I'm poor in spirit. But that's the thing that's, that drives me to hunger and thirst after righteousness. But what is the promise for that fourth one? They shall be filled. Filled with what? Christ. Christ. Yeah? Do you hear me? Right? That's poverty of spirit. That's real poverty of spirit. Not me coming up and telling you that I'm poor in spirit. Second example from Hebrews 7. Because he continueth ever, Christ hath an unchangeable priesthood. Now remembering this letter's to the Hebrews. We don't know the author. I put my money on Paul, but that's a different story. Um, that's why they use that terminology. An unchangeable priesthood. The priest isn't coming in, he carks it, and then we've got a new one. I'm being serious. Right? Christ is an unchangeable priest. High priest. For now and forever. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him. How much? To the uttermost. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Intercession. I've got that in italics because I want to parallel it to 1 John 2.1. Now John, in, the, in this particular area, John's sort of giving an outline for the, the almost the criteria of a true saint. And that's just the context behind it. But he says in verse 1, My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. See in italics? Intercession and advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus isn't up in heaven sitting at the right hand, twiddling his thumbs. He's not. He's praying to the Father on our behalf. There's other scriptures, I don't have that here in the presentation, but there's other scriptures showing that. Christ is up there as an advocate for his saints. If there's one person on one of my team, it's the Son of God. Yeah? But notice that passage there. He, John's writing these things to, to these people in order that they may not sin. He doesn't want them to sin, nor does the Father. But if any of you do sin, not willfully live in sin, if you stumble, if you commit the sin you know you shouldn't do, know that you have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. Forget Alexander the Great, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I love that. It's a great name. Like, I know it's probably just maybe being silly, but anyway. Um, but isn't that comforting? Like, that's the greatest comfort you can have. The greatest comfort I can have is that I am weak. I wouldn't want to be strong, because then it is up to me. I would rather be dead weak. I would rather not be able to achieve perfection. Why? Because I can actually trust in Christ more that way. I can have more of him. So many of my prayers, just more of you. I want more of you. I need more of you. Because of my weakness. And you notice, you notice back in the video, Paul Washer talked about the fact that if you do sin, it's not a matter of putting yourself in the penalty box. I mean, I've only been a Christian for nine months, but I've done that too often. If you get to it, because of my own shame, like I said, because of my own shame and the devil condemning me, I would go and do exactly that to the T. 
where I try and pray a bit more and then come back and sort of go, oh, hi, God, um, it's me, Daniel Thomas, again, uh, if you remember my name, um, and then try and go from there. No. No. You have the accessibility to Christ 24-7. The veil was torn between the holy and the most holy. Jesus Christ is filling the chasm. The advocate, in verse 4, the ad, sorry, no, there, advocate and the intercessor. We can come to the Father because of him, but don't come to him as if like, oh, you should, you should kill me now. It's okay. You've sinned, yes. We get that. I've sinned, get that, yeah. But there is love. There is love. And the fact that you're actually, I'm speaking of the true saints here, the fact that you're actually willfully, you know, striving to live in righteousness, just as was spoken about before, that is evidence of the fact that you love him. Those who love me shall keep my commandments. Let us not forget that. Yeah? But when you do stumble, if you do sin, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And that is one of the greatest promises that our God can give us. I can't believe I see more smiles here. I mean, come on, this is just like, this is like, ah! I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, it's just like that, 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 that's what doesn't, you know, make me want to really just give everything up. I can promise something to you. And I have a good chance I'm not gonna, not gonna fulfill it. But God doesn't leave one of His promises unfulfilled. Old Testament, New Testament, before, today, tomorrow, not one. Not one. God lives up to His promises. If He has promised something in His Word, He will do it. If He says there's an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus, there is an advocate. Know that. Cling on to that. Because that's all we have to cling on to. We can't cling on to, well, I did pretty good yesterday, God. Not going to happen. One sin. All it took. We have to cling to Christ. Because that's the only hope that we have. The only hope. Strive to hunger and thirst after him. Because we need him. We don't want him. I don't want him, but I do want him. But I need him. I have no hope. None whatsoever. And if I don't have more of Christ, then I'm done. And it's the same for every single one of you here too. Every single one of you here, Christian and non-Christian, need Christ, whether you realize it or not. You're weak, whether you realize it or not. I want to show you one last, uh, actually pretty good pa- parallel. So we've gone from Isaiah 51, uh, sorry, 55, and then where Christ refers back to it in John uh, 7:37. So in Isaiah, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Jesus paralleled that, so picking up in Verse 37, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, 
as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. As a deer panteth for living streams, so too does my soul panteth for God. I need it. It's not just I'm going to come to God here on a Sunday because I want to get a bit of a refresh. That's what I did for 18 years. Believed in God, I believed in God at the age of 12 and did absolutely jack all about it for six years. Wasted my high school years. Absolutely wasted them. Because I didn't give a, I didn't want Christ. I didn't want him. I wanted the nice things. I wanted to come here to church and see, and see all the lovely people. I wanted to sing nice songs. I wanted to tell everyone I'm a Christian, guys. And then go out for the next six days and live like the darkest demon of hell. That's not something to laugh about. Because the absolute God honest truth. Because I didn't want Christ. Didn't recognize I was weak. Didn't acknowledge my poverty of spirit. And it took God one night to tear me apart. The scariest, most hellish night of my life was the night that Christ saved me. Why? Because I broke down. He ripped me open and told me and showed me and made me, made me understand you're not good enough. If you continue the way you're going, you're on the wide path. Not the narrow. That was the most horrifying. I felt that night that God was actually coming to end me. But that's the night that he showed me my poverty of spirit. And if God didn't do what he did that night, a month before I came here on the 1st of December and got baptized, my life would not be different. Realize your poverty of spirit. Realize it. Don't hide behind pride. Don't hide behind your quote-unquote strength. Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. No matter what, no matter what age you are, from high school to our more seasoned people in here, don't. No, I'm telling you, don't do it. Some use it. Oh, you've got to be careful on the I'm telling you. Um, um, don't do it. Don't hide behind pride. Don't think for an iota that you're strong. Very easy to do. I told you, I did it for six years. I seriously did it for six years. Told every man in the donkey in high school that I was a Christian. There's not a hope on earth that I was. Because I thought I was strong. I did. Really did. The, the people who are going to, listen to this, the people who are going to enter the kingdom of heaven first are those people you never hear about. Why? Because they're not out there, they're not, they're not, you know, Really famous, I'm not saying anything about famous people, I'm just saying they're not, they're not out there promoting themselves. They're humbly in the back, quiet on, you know, doing, doing, serving God in, in the way that He's appointed unto them. And they're the people who, who we would sort of go, oh, they're not really, you know, they could do more in church and they could sort of do this. You know, it would be nice if they did that. Um, they're the people who are generally the most poor in spirit. Christ said, a healthy man need not a physician. Only the sick. I have come not to seek the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. He hung around with the weak. He hung around with the scum, if I can use that word, of the earth. It's true. Alright? And we can say that, but what does that mean? That means that they're the people who everyone hated, but they're the people who were really poor in spirit. 
that lady who came and with her tears wiped the feet of Christ and anointed his feet with perfume and wiped it with her own hair. Can you, like, in, imagine first century, a woman walking, coming up to this man, Christ, who at the dinner table would have been laying on their side, because that's how they did it, and, and everyone going, what on earth is this doing? She's the kind of person that will enter the kingdom of heaven first. The poor in spirit will be the ones who will be welcomed first into the kingdom of heaven. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. We are all poor in spirit. Some have tougher quote-unquote lives than others in certain areas, but every single one of us is weak in one or more areas. And the only reason why we say we're not is because we're prideful. We try and hide it. But listen, 55, Isaiah 55. Come, so yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's arguably the most important part. Without price, it's free. You don't have to do anything except repent and put your faith in Christ. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You haven't earned it. You've done the opposite of earn it. You've done everything to not earn it. That's how, that's how good a God we have. That's how loving a God we have. The fact that he gives me breath, the fact that my heart's beating right now when I'm talking to you proves how loving God is after all that I've done against him. The same thing with you. The fact that we're here, open. We don't have people blowing this place to smithereens. We don't have to worry about walking out there and getting our head taken off. It's because of God's glory. And it's the same, re- it's the same glory that God has that can help us. It's the same glory that brings us into righteousness. Alright? For the, for, the, for the saints in here, we have to cling to that. We have to. And we should rejoice in it. Absolutely rejoice in it. But for those of you in here who, who haven't committed to Christ, who haven't repented and put your faith in Him, listen to me. Don't walk out of here tonight going, wasn't that a nice sermon? And it was glad that, I'm glad that I got to catch up with my buddies. And then come back here next Sunday and do the same thing. I'm not looking, I'm not pointing at anyone, I don't know who it is, but I'm just saying, I'm not ignorant enough to think that every single person in here is believed unto salvation. I'm saying this out of love, truly, believe me, I'm saying this out of love. Some of you may not have till next week. Don't, Don't go home tonight and lay your head down on the pillow and say this was a nice service tonight. Realise it. You're weak, just like me. We have no hope outside of Christ. We don't. Put the pride down. Get the ego out. And believe in the gospel. Christ is love. What he did on the cross was the perfect synergy of love and justice. But those who stand outside of Christ stand already condemned. Not my words. His. Alright? Take this seriously. 
you might say, well, it's a bit of a hard, harsh, hard, you know, harsh message, Daniel. You know, you're saying that people are hopeless outside of Christ. Yeah, I'm absolutely saying that people are hopeless outside of Christ. Absolutely. I care for your soul, as does the Lord, as does as do the majority of other people in here. And I'm saying this because I care. It, w- it would be blasphemous of me to come up here and give you this nice sermon and just and just say, just, you know, it's all good, God's got it covered. Hear me. Please hear me. Today is the day of salvation for some of you. Repent and believe in the gospel. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. You need him. You need him. He will transform your heart. He has promised, those who, prof- those who cry out unto me and profess my name, I will be true to save them. Don't go home and just leave this and forget about it till next Sunday then come here. Don't do it. It's a vicious cycle and I did it. I was lucky to be alive to the day that God saved me. And I'm being honest. Repent and believe in the gospel. Cry out to Christ. You're weak. Put the pride down. You're weak. You're poor in spirit. And you need God. For the saints in here, believe in his promises. Believe in his promises. They don't just apply to the saints, but the promises apply to you once you cry out to him. He has said, those who are poor in spirit, he's given an outline and he's given promises, truly, for everyone. Believe in his promises. Believe that he will save you. Saints, stay strong. Stay strong. I know we've got things going on in the church. I know we've got issues. All right. We've got we've got people who are having health issues. We've got you know uh, you know our pastor and his and his wife and their family are having struggles. All right, be strong, be strong. Believe in his promises. God will not leave this place. Do you hear me? God will not leave this place. God isn't in the building. God's in here. All right, stay strong. Realize we're weak. But let that drive us into Christ. Hunger and thirst as the deer panteth for streams of water, so too will my soul pant for you, God. Because we need him. Every single one of us, including me. Alright? Would you bow me and pray? <coughs> Father God, when our hearts were grieved and our spirits embittered, We were senseless and ignorant. We were brute beasts before you. Yet we are always with you and you with us. You hold us by our right hand. You guide us with your counsel. And afterward, you will make us into glory. Whom have we in heaven but you, Father? The earth has nothing we desire besides you, O Lord. Our flesh and our heart may fail, but you, Lord, are the strength of our heart and our portion forever. Those who are with, so those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for us, Lord, it is good to be near you, the sovereign Lord, our great refuge. And we will tell the world of all your wonderful deeds. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and our God. Amen.